Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, good morning. As Alex said, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the team. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Got a question for you as we kind of get things going. Who is hard for you to love? Now, don't respond because that could be a little awkward if they're in the room with us. But seriously, like, think about it. Who is hard for you to love? Maybe it's someone you cared deeply about and then they betrayed you. Or a friend, a close friend who one day started to give you the cold shoulder, and that's all you've been getting ever since. Or maybe it's someone in your family. You, you were so close, you loved them so much, and then they divorced you or they disowned you in some way. Who is hard for you to love? For me, it's Bob and Susie. Now, that, those are not their real names, but they are real people. A couple weeks ago, I shared how this past summer, my wife and I got roped into a legal dispute. You see, we sold our house in Maine a little over three years ago to a couple, and they had recently had some plumbing issues. And they came at us asking, demanding that we give them $12,000 plus to help pay for their recent plumbing issues. Now, I had never really like, had enemies before, but when I got that demand letter, I was furious. I wanted to fight them. I was like, what? I never really had enemies, but here we're being demanded a, a crazy amount of money for a problem that's not ours. And the last thing I wanted to do was love Bob and Susie. But as a follower of Jesus, we're called to love people who are hard to love, even our enemies. And that's not just true of me as a follower of Jesus, that's true of all of us who claim to follow Jesus. But how? How do we love those who are hard to love? How do we love others? How do we love people who are like us and those who are different from us? And how do we love those we don't want to love? How do we love enemies? Jesus taught how, but he didn't just teach it, he actually modeled it. And it's what we're going to see Today, You see, Jesus was characterized by love, and as his followers, we should be characterized by love too. Radical love. Love that turns heads. Love that doesn't make sense. So if you've got a Bible with you, please turn with me to John chapter 13, where we're going to see Jesus love this way, and then he's going to call us as his followers to love this way. Now, if you've got a Bible, um, you can just turn there, there, or if you need a Bible, we've got some in the back too. So you can grab one. That's a gift to you. You can also follow along in our church app if that's how you want to do it. We've been in this series, Who is Jesus? And throughout the series, we've been answering this hard question, this controversial question, Who is Jesus? And what we've been doing is we've been looking to the Gospel of John, which was written by one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, and John recorded Jesus' life and ministry. Up until this point, we've been looking at his, his public life, his public ministry, the three years where he performed miracles and signs, healed people, taught about the ways of God. But today things pivot a bit, and for the next couple of weeks, next 
few chapters, John slows things down and he hones in on Jesus' final time, last words to his disciples before he died on the cross. And Jesus had a lot to say to them and a lot to say to us. So we're going to take a look at one of those chapters today and then we'll continue in the weeks to come as we see Jesus' final words, the things that were most important. And one of those has to do with love. But before we get there, let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask that Jesus would reveal himself, that he would teach us how to love like him. God, we come before you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it reveals Jesus to us, and we ask that that would happen right now as we open it together. We also ask that you would teach us to love, to love like you loved, and to teach us how to love like you've called us to love, even those who are hard to love. Would you help us love them? In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up in John chapter 13. We're going to start in verses 1 through 11, where Jesus does something that would be unthinkable. John writes, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. So Jesus and his disciples had come together to celebrate the Passover. This was something that they would have done every year of their lives. And they even, as a band of brothers, they would have celebrated this a couple of times together over that couple year stint of ministry that Jesus did with his disciples. So this was a normal thing for them celebrating Passover, but it got weird. It got weird when Jesus got up, took off his outer robe, and then replaced it with a towel. And then he got down on his hands and knees, and he started to scrub his disciples' feet, their dirty, nasty feet. Just think about it. They're walking around on dusty roads in the ancient Near East in sandals. Of course their feet are dirty. And it was normal for someone to offer to wash their feet, but it wasn't normal for a rabbi someone they would call Lord. That was not normal. This was like the job of a slave, the lowliest of slaves, because it was gross, it was disgusting. And yet, here Jesus is, slowly, methodically working his way around the table, washing their feet. I mean, it's no wonder that Peter balked when Jesus came to him. But fortunately for the disciples and for us today, Jesus explained why he did such a menial task. Now in verses 12 through 17, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. 
Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Why did Jesus serve humbly like this? Well, he was modeling to his disciples what he was calling them to. To serve one another, to love one another in this way. Earlier on in Jesus' ministry, two of his disciples, James and John, were pretty audacious, and they approached Jesus, and they wanted to sit at his right and at his left in his kingdom, when he's in his glory. He's like, they, like we want the position of prominence. And when he, Jesus called them on it, their pride, their selfishness, Jesus reframed their perspective and said, you guys got it all wrong. You, you got to understand this. The Son of Man, being him, Jesus says this, came to be, not to be served, but to serve. He came not to be served by people, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then again, right back here in John, we see Jesus model this kind of service. He didn't expect his disciples to serve him. He's serving them in the most humble of ways. Radical, radical love. You see, church, what we're called to is we're called to serve humbly because Jesus served humbly. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. So, when we gather on a Sunday, we come not to, to be served some spiritual set of goods. We come with a towel wrapped around our waist because we're not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. We are the church, the people of God in relationship with one another and on mission with God. And as the church, as the body of Christ, God has given each of us gifts things that we're good at, but it's not for our good or our glory. It's actually for one another's good and for God's glory. That's why God's gifted us. We're the church. When our society thinks of church, it thinks often of a building or an event or an experience, like when someone like myself gets up and preaches. When I think of church, I think of those who come with a towel wrapped around their waist who come to serve, people like the ones on our setup team. Week in, week out, there's a group of guys who shows up early and stays late so that we can do this. And, and some of the, the roles that these guys play throughout the rest of the week, we got pastors, we've got salesmen, people who work at other nonprofits. We got all kinds of things all kinds of roles. People with great influence in their own spheres of influence. I mean, they could be a big deal. Managers, operators, and yet they choose to wake up early and come and, and set up. And you know what they do? They pull the trailer. They set out the signs so that guests can find us. They set up the pipe and drape, plug in cords. Why? Because they love pipe and drape? No because they love Jesus. They love Jesus and they want to be like him. You see, they come not to be served, they come to serve. 
They're living out what Jesus called us to. They're the church. And now we get to worship because of people like them. Can we give, can we give our, our serve teams, all of our serve teams, but especially our setup team, can we give them a hand? Because they do it week in, week out. Two years now they've been doing it. Yeah. And uh, John Oakley is one of the guys on the, this setup team. And he works a couple jobs, sometimes late on Saturday nights. And this past summer, we thought we would be kind to him. And we would say, hey, why don't you just take a couple weeks off? Uh, we'll cover it in other ways. Well, I got to be real with you. He was bummed about it. He was genuinely bummed that he was not scheduled to serve. And I think it's because when you taste purpose on a Sunday, it's hard to go back. When you taste purpose on a Sunday, it's just hard to go back. And I wonder if the, the, the purpose of just being a part of what God's doing is just like a sliver of what Jesus was getting at when, when he said this in verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Scripture teaches us that in God's kingdom, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I would also say that it is more blessed to serve than it is to be served. And I think many of you who are on our serve teams, you get that. Whether it's setup or kids or connections or the worship team, tech, all kinds of ways, groups, all kinds of ways people are serving, using their God-given gifts for the good of one another, to love one another. Now, hear me in this. If, you, if you're new to Connect, if you're a guest with us, I want you to know this right up front. You can be a guest, guest with us as long as you want. We don't want anything from you. We don't want anything from you. We do want something for you. What we want for you is we want you to experience a relationship with God. We want you to grow in that relationship with Him. And we'd also like you to get the privilege of helping others grow in a relationship with God too. So, if at some point you say, you know what, I don't want to be a guest anymore. I just want to be part of the family. That's great. We'd love for you to be part of the family. At Connect, you don't have to go to a class to become part of the family. We just say, start acting like family. And family serves one another because family loves one another. So if you want to serve, you want to be part of what God's doing, you can. You can talk to anyone who's serving. They can tell you how to get involved on their team. Or you can go to our app. And there's a bunch of, you know, all the different serve teams right there. If you want to be a part, you can just fill out a quick form there and we'll be in touch. Because we love to serve one another because we love to love one another. Now, loving like Jesus starts with loving one another, okay? That's actually the easy part. But Jesus continues teaching, and it also means loving those hard to love, all right? Jesus modeled this and, and taught about this and what, he, what happens next. Now in verse 18 through 30, it says, I'm not referring to all of you, I know those I've chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After this, or after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. 
Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and, and, and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus had said this to him. Since Judas had been in charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Now the disciples didn't get it at the time, but Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen. Judas, one of the 12, was about to betray Jesus. He was going to have him arrested, and once he was arrested, Jesus would be crucified. Jesus knew what was coming. And yet moments before, he was down on his hands and knees washing Judas's feet. Imagine that. His betrayer, and yet he is loving him in the most humble of ways. At times, we can be like Judas. Maybe we use Jesus for selfish gain. Maybe we betray Jesus. We just turn our back on him. And when we're in those times, I want you to know this. Jesus loved Judas and Jesus loves you. He still loves you. There's nothing we can do to escape his love. Because he is love. And Jesus' love is hard for us to fathom. It's the kind of love that caused him to endure great suffering and ultimately his crucifixion, his death, he endured that for us. When we had actually turned our back on God, when we were still stuck in our sin, that's what Jesus did for us. And this is really good news. You know, the author uh, and pastor, Tim Keller, he lives in New York. He, he summarizes the gospel so beautifully when he says this. The gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. This is the gospel. God loves us, and Jesus is proof of this. You see, sin is like us turning our back on God. We're, we're going our own way. We're, we're not following Him. We're doing our own thing. Sin's like turning our back on God. But Jesus is God turning towards us in inviting us out of our sin to walk in forgiveness, in freedom, in restoration. You see, Jesus' love is radical love. He forgives us, he reconciles us, and because he went first, now we can forgive the person we don't want to forgive. We can reconcile with the person we thought, oh, I, I, I will never be able to reconcile with them. Why do we do these things? Because it's easy? Come on, it's not easy. If it was easy, we would have done it already. We, we love this way. We love radically because Jesus radically loved us. He loved us sacrificially. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. And this is why we are called to love those hard to love, even our enemies. And let me tell you, that is hard. It is really hard. Back when uh, we received that demand letter this summer, I was livid. Like, 
so frustrated, so mad. I'm like, you come after my family, I'm coming after you. You wanna go, let's go, like, let's go. I don't have, I'm not like a fighter by nature, but I was a fighter this summer. Like I was ready to go. And about a week after we received that letter, Amanda and I are sitting at the dinner table and we're just talking about it. And she shares that she had talked to her mom on the phone earlier that day and they had an idea. And I was like, okay, like, what's your idea? You know, anything, we'll take any ideas at this point. And the idea was that we should write a personal letter to Bob and Susie. Now I heard her and I thought, I do not want to do that. Like that is the last thing I want to do, but I know that's what we should do right now. Like I just knew it, like in my gut, I just knew I'm like, yeah, that's what we need to do. So after dinner, I go down to the basement and I start typing out this letter, empathizing with them for their problems, sharing that their demand has placed quite a strain and a stress on our family. And then I, I closed with this and I'm just gonna read it to you. We started to work with our attorney on our response to your demand letter, but then we thought, you're not enemies to fight, you're people to love. So are you open to working towards a resolution together instead of hiking legal fees to both of our detriment? Respectfully, Chris and Amanda. I wish I could tell you that did it. Like they were like, yeah, we want that too. We want resolution, we want reconciliation. We don't wanna pay legal fees either. Let's just work through this together not the case. It just hasn't been the case. We had to go, go through the legal process and it has been to both of our detriment. And what I've been learning in this whole process is that loving our enemies is hard and it doesn't always go well. Like, it doesn't go well. I, I truly believe, they're, Bob and Susie are not enemies to fight. They are people to be loved. And I can't love them by my own strength because it just, it doesn't, I, I do not feel warm and fuzzy inside when I hear their real names. I just don't. But when I look back on the, the process, I am so glad that Amanda and her mom suggested this because it was our small attempt at seeking reconciliation. And what I've learned is that when we seek reconciliation, when we try to love people, it's not always gonna be reciprocated. And that's okay. That's between them and God. God will sort that out with them. Loving them, that's between us and God. So let's do that, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. Because when we love this way, we may just be like Christ to them. Loving them, even when it's hard. When we don't want to, but that's the kind of love Jesus extended. It's the kind of love he extended to Judas, who was gonna betray him, and to Peter, who was about to disown him. You see, with Judas gone, Jesus continues, and now he points his finger at Peter. And here's what he had to say around all of that. Verse 31, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. He's setting the stage for what's about to happen. Then he says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples 
if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus puts it in perspective. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Having radically loved his disciples, humbly serving them, washing their feet, including Judas, who would betray him, and Peter, who was going to disown him. Having radically loved them, Jesus called his disciples to radically love one another. Again, Jesus said it this way, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Do you hear the repetition there? Love one another, love one another, love one another. It says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Friends, that's a high calling. That's a hard calling. Jesus never said following him would be easy, but he did say it would be good. And what this means is it means that we're supposed to do the job that no one else wants to do. It means we need to be for the one who's against us. And we do this not because we feel loved by them, but because Jesus loves us. That's what it's about. It's his love for us that actually in inspires, it spurs this love for others. Our anthem verse, actually, let me say this. Here's the point of all of this, okay? This is like the point of John 13. And it's hard. Jesus' radical love for us spurs us to radically love everyone. All these different people, those who are with us and those who are against us, our, our friends and our foes, everyone. We are called to love everyone. And our anthem verse for the year says it. We love because he first loved us. It has everything to do with the gospel. That's why we love our enemies. That's why we love those hard to love. The ones like us and the ones different from us, that's why. And, and Jesus, another time when he was teaching his disciples about this hard love that he was calling us to, he said this. This is from Luke 6. He says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. So why do we love everyone? Why do we do this? We do this because God loves everyone. Everyone. Those like us, those different from us, the people we like and the people we don't, God loves them all. And he wants a relationship with each one of them. So we, as his church, we should love them too. When it's easy and when it's hard. You know, the Apostle Paul picked up on how we go about this. And he picked up on this 
this humble service is the way that we actually demonstrate this love for one another. And here's what he wrote to a church in Rome. This is from Romans 12. Paul writes this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What he's saying is as followers of Jesus, we have been gifted by God for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to serve one another, to love one another. It's gonna make us different, distinct. We're not trying to stand out, we're trying to serve. Now, if you don't know what your gift is, like I just read a, a couple that you know, Paul listed, if you don't know what your gift is, that makes sense, that, that's understandable. What I'm gonna say is don't go try to take a, a spiritual gifts assessment online or something like that. That can be helpful. What's actually more helpful is just like get in the game and see where God moves. Like just start serving your family, your community group, the church, start serving and see how God shows up. If you start to experience a joy in it, if people share how it's making an impact on them or our church in a positive way, just keep doing more of that because God might have gifted you to do that very thing. We are the church. We serve one another. We love one another. And when we gather like this, it's actually training ground. This isn't the show. This isn't the big time. This isn't the goal. This is training so that when we go back out and we're scattering throughout the week to our neighborhoods and gyms and offices and schools, we can love those who are hard to love. And we can do it very tangibly, very physically, by serving them. You know, oftentimes in the church, we will overcomplicate what Jesus made very simple. As church staff, we'll gather in a room and we'll strategize how we can reach more people with the gospel. Or maybe we go to a class or a training on identifying our spiritual gifts and how to use them. And while meetings and trainings are fun and they have their place, often, can I just tell you, the fruit on the other side is not what we had hoped. We walked out so excited, but the fruit never really came to bear. Now, there's a time and a place for classes and for meetings and trainings, but here's like a crazy idea. What if we just like did what Jesus told us to do? What if we loved one another by serving one another. What do you think would happen? Jesus tells us what will happen. He says, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If we love God and we love one another, Jesus says that others are gonna take notice. And I pray that when they do, they will love God too. Let's pray for that right now. God, we need you to work in that way. This kind of love that 
for the, for the one who betrays us, for the one who walks out on us, disowns us, denies us, treats us not how we want to be treated. It's hard. It is really hard. So Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us to love like this, to love like you, Jesus? And as we do, would those in our family, in our offices, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go, would they, would they see our love? And would they want to know the source of it? And in that curiosity, would they find you? Would they find you, Jesus? And would they experience your love too? We ask this in your name. Amen.